Hello, all, and welcome to A Dram of Diving, uh, June 17th. Uh, we are going to be joined by Roger and Nellie Williams. Uh, they are the owners and hosts of, I believe it's Shaka, the uh, cave diving expedition area, kind of Airbnb. Very interesting story overall. Uh, great people too. So we're going to be chatting with them uh, to answer some of your questions because I know it's going to come up in the comments as we go through the whiskey glasses that you guys are ordered. The, the back ordered ones just shipped. So confirming that you are getting those. If you guys want to order them, uh, I'll post the link up like we have been. Um, and that supports the show and let's just do lots of different fun things. We got a couple of other fun things we're trying to do um, and potential trip type stuff and, and different types of things that uh, are a little bit more interesting than me sitting in my pseudo closet studio that we have sitting here. Uh, so we are going to check in with Roger and Nelly uh, and we see looks looks like we're getting some live people here and we just uh, want to say thank you all for visiting. Uh, again, remind you that we have the YouTube channel. We're on YouTube Live and Facebook Live, uh, but you can catch up on YouTube to hang out and see if you missed us. Uh, go ahead and leave comments now or later in the comments box. We'll see them and feature different ones. So let's go ahead and check in with Roger and Nelly. Hey, guys. How are we doing? Hello. Good evening. How are you? Good. Excellent. Uh, it is actually quite balmy here. It's not uh, probably not as hot as down in Mexico, but uh, but still, it's uh, a little warm up up here in New York. So it's incredibly uh, balmy down here, which is why we're inside. It's yeah. uh, balmy enough that it's been a little drizzly all day. Really, it's about four thousand percent humidity. <laughs> I love it. Four thousand um, percent humidity and something in the range of two hundred percent mosquitoes. Yeah, nice. And you guys are in the middle of like, the jungle, right? Too. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Very nice. So um, I guess it, your guy's story is so kind of intertwining and winding and, and it's so long. I'm not quite, I mean, I guess start at the beginning, but um, give us a rundown, just a general idea of, of what you guys are doing now, and then we'll backtrack from there. So, so what do you guys do? We, God, you're right. It is. It's so wound <laughs> it's kind of hard to parse it all out. Uh, well, I, I teach. So I'm a cave instructor, technical instructor, rebreather instructor. Um, and we've got a couple little rental houses down here out in the jungle where as people come down and they want to learn how to um, kind of approach these levels of diving, they have some place to stay that's you know, it's comfortable and quiet and close to the classroom, close to all the dive sites that we like. Nellie, meanwhile, takes care of really kind of creating a home space for people. And that's one of the things that we wanted to do when we kind of started in on this endeavor was we always had these places that we liked to visit, you know, these little homes away from home that, you know, we, we find as divers and get excited about and look forward to going and traveling and uh, getting to stay. Um, well, Nellie's kind of, she's the person that creates that. And most importantly, Nellie's the one that keeps everybody fed. Yes. Which I've is, seen the, yeah. and everything looks delicious. I haven't had any specifically, but it, from the pictures, mm -hmm. you know, it looks amazing. <laughs> well, food in diving is absolutely critical. So. Yes. yes. Well, one of my friends turned me on to what he calls Dick Oreos. They're Oreos that you eat. The only person that he ever had around him that actually got any hit of DCS didn't eat the Oreos they had. So they all have to eat Oreos after every time they dive. So they're Dick Oreos. It, it's sound science, right? You just, it's, it is. Yeah. <laughs> 
Probably, <laughs> probably should special dilation or something like that with the chocolate. Yeah. Yeah, I'm all for it. Exactly. Um, so how are you guys doing with everything? Uh, I always like to ask that right now because we're in kind of an uncertain time. We're in kind of crazy times. How are you guys holding up overall? I think we're actually in a pretty good position, a pretty good place. Uh, and it's the jungle of Mexico. So we've got a pretty place to kind of ride all this out. A great big wall that surrounds the entire property. So social distancing has been incredibly easy. Mm -hmm. uh, the other nice thing is even when we do venture out and going dive, uh, go out diving, so many of the dive sites are out in the middle of nowhere where you're not going to see anybody at all either. Mm -hmm. So we've been in the really the enviable position of we, we still get to dive a little bit. And <laughs> uh, it's Kind of the trickiest thing has been not lording that over people. Yeah. <laughs> because yep. you know, there are so many people that are just, they're so far away from the things that they want to do. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, I talk to friends all the time who, you know, they've been out of the water for three months now, four months yep. now, and they're absolutely clawing at the walls. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And it's so, tough. It's tough on everybody in that aspect. You know, some people have that, like, we don't have water all that far away from us, so we can go dabble and do whatever. We're not really supposed to do too much business-wise type stuff, but we can still go and have fun, and 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 so it's a weird, it's a weird toss-up there. Um, what's uh, I'm assuming it's got it's affected, you know, this whole thing's affected your classes and affected your travel and and all that. It's certainly it's been quiet. We haven't had guests in two months now, three months. Uh, so yeah, it's it's been quiet, but we've tried to sort of take advantage of that quiet try and learn some of the the caves around here that we just we don't go to mm -hmm. we're going further afield we're going to when people come down here and you know, they've got a week's vacation they want to go and really explore something really neat yep now, there are a bunch of caves that are within two kilometers of where we're sitting right now that we wind up not going to terribly frequently uh -huh just because we are going further abreast. Yep. Uh, so we've kind of taken advantage of, well, let's just go up the road and see what's going on in that little hall. Yeah. Oh, it's just like the old thing um, being, um, we're upstate New York, central New York, but the whole thing of how many people actually go to see the Statue of Liberty in New York City. You know? Yeah. Okay. And everybody from around the world is like, oh, it's for us, it's the Niagara Falls. Like, you've been to Niagara Falls? Like, I, I guess, yeah, it's a waterfall. <laughs> it's great, yeah. It's it's how we get to Canada <laughs> in uh, in New York for probably about ten years. I've never once been to the Statue of Liberty. Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> Those <laughs> things that are right there. It's like, ah, oh, why would I go see that? I could go see it anytime or never. <laughs> yeah, and then so. you move five thousand miles away. <laughs> exactly. Um, so I think that's a good segue um, to um, your guy's story, where you guys came from, kind of how you started diving. And, and I, I can ask some interjecting questions, but but I think it's best for your guy's story to kind of, and I think you had posted on Facebook recently, kind of how you guys met, how, how you guys started diving, how you guys got where you were, because it is a, like we said, it's a very winding story and it's fairly interesting. So, uh, and you know, there's a good number of people right now that are like, I'd like to bail out on my country and find a different one. So <laughs> you guys did it. So uh, give us the secret. I'm actually, I'm going to leave that to Nelly because I, I don't know, maybe it's everybody thinks that their own story is mundane, but uh -huh. I think my story is actually pretty mundane. Nelly's on the other hand, I think is pretty, she's been everywhere. 
No, my story story is also incredibly mundane. It's just there are (laughs) stops. I I learned to dive when I, actually when I moved to New York, uh, when I was about 25, and it was just one of the things that I always wanted to do. It was on, on, on the bucket list, as it were. And I dove maybe two or three times a year uh, going to warm water destinations. And then I heard that you could dive at the New York Aquarium as a volunteer in order to keep your skills sharp and so on. And maybe it's also a good way to make friends. I was still relatively new to this city, so I viewed that as a good way to meet people. So that's what I did. And my gear in the gear room was right next to a bloke called Rogers. And <laughs> I didn't, I'd never know, I'd, I'd never seen him because I volunteered on weekends and Roger volunteered on Wednesdays. All I knew about him was, was that he was obviously very tall because he had this really, I didn't know what a backplate was back then, but it was this chunk <laughs> of metal and it had a huge sticker on it that said, this machine kills fascists. <laughs> anyway, a bunch of our mutual friends kept telling me that I had to meet this guy, and I didn't know it at the time, but they said the same to him about me. And it wasn't until we went to Dutch Springs as part of the Ocean Blue Divers kick off the dive season extravaganza 2008, go to Dutch Springs, welcome the dive season, uh, and that was where we met each other. Um, and then I guess. I mean, I, I was still very, very much a warm water diver then, but Rog was quite an active Northeast rep diver at the time. And he said to me, you know, if you're going to want to come diving in the Northeast, where shallow kind of starts at about 90 feet, 30 meters or so, uh-huh. um, you're going to run into decompression. You're going to need to run a line because a lot of the wrecks have been cable dragged why don't you just go and take a cabin course? It's It'll make you a better diver. Just trust me on that. Mm-hmm. So I said, okay. And I went to North Florida and I did. Wasn't terribly taken with wreck diving or cave diving, uh, but it was fun-ish. I was still very much a reef girl at heart. Then we buggered off to Hawaii for a few, for a few years, came back, and I guess I just fell in love with cave diving in the meantime. And uh, it was very, very much a once or twice a year love affair where we would go to Florida, maybe go to Mexico a couple of times a year. Then my entire department got made redundant when oil prices took a shit in late 2014. And operating on the assumption that you don't get to have life several times, that once you die, you die, we thought, bugger it, let's just see what happens. Let's go and retire in Mexico as opposed to actually talking about it. And if we run out of money, then we can always just go and get grown-up jobs again later. (laughs) Well, it's now 2020 and we haven't had to get grown-up jobs yet, but the year is yet young. (laughs) I don't want to make any assumptions. Yes, I hear you. And it, it's so many people now are actually doing that that uh, love affair with Florida or Mexico or whatever with with cave diving and, and cavern diving. We, we see that a lot. Um, we even see, you know, I, I have heard of know of instructors that go down periodically and that's their cave diving is during those months. Um, we won't delve into that topic. Um, but we'll just leave that as is. Uh, but uh, 
I think it's it is very interesting how you, how you guys made that progression from the U.S. through followed your dreams and and found this. And I love what you guys have done with it. Is it's pronounced Shaka, right? Uh, uh, Shaka. Shaka. Okay. Shock and awe, but you put a ha on the end. Okay, gotcha. Um, so what you guys have done done with that the the way that that is designed, everything you guys have done, I, I'm very very impressed. Um, I love all of it. Uh, so Raj, why don't you give us kind of just a general rundown? Even though you feel your story is mundane, now people are even more interested because you gave them something they couldn't have. So. Uh, <laughs> Tell us just generally where you came from, about some of maybe your wreck diving and uh, how you got into cave stuff. I, uh, as we all kind of come into the sport, I saw some reefs, you know, however many years ago, probably 20 years ago, you know, I did a, a Patty Discover scuba program where they just kind of stick the regulator in your mouth. Mm -hmm. Don't spit this out and don't hold your breath. Yeah, <laughs> I was very pleased with myself that I made this uh, giant scuba tank, which of course was just an aluminum 80, mm -hmm. last for 20 whole minutes that first time <laughs> I was underwater. Nice. Uh, I just, I thought I was uh, Lloyd Bridges. It was, it was fantastic. Um, some years later, I was going down to Mexico, the, the west coast of Mexico. I was going to Puerto Vallarta. I wondered, oh, I wonder if they have that stick the thing in your mouth thing. Mm-hmm. And I, it occurred to me that I wasn't going for months and months. So maybe I should go get my scuba license or whatever. So I found a dive shop nearby, got certified. I actually, I did all my pool and my, uh, my academic work and such. I was living in Virginia at the time. And I did my open water checkout dives in, in uh, Puerto Vallarta. There's a fun fact. It was my second open water checkout dive when I got horrible, horrible heat exhaustion and started throwing up through the regulator. Nice. <laughs> uh, and went back the next day to finish my certification. That was fun. <laughs> and then again, like so many of us, when you first get started, I thought, well, I'll go to the Caribbean once a year, right? Mm -hmm. But let me go to this quarry and keep my skills up. And I figured I'd go to the quarry every once in a while. That every once in a while turned into at least once a week, turned into all weekend. Every weekend, I started taking more and more classes. I uh, conned a coworker into getting certified as well. So he started taking classes with me as well. And it just, it snowballed. Yeah. Um, I moved back again. I was in Virginia at the time and I moved back up to New Jersey and thought, well, I want to keep doing this scuba stuff and I'm a hell of a lot closer to the ocean. I've heard about these shipwrecks. Let me go check that out. And that's how I started getting involved in the Northeast wreck community and doing some deep wreck diving. Uh, at some point along the way, somebody conned me into taking a cavern class. They actually used the same line on uh, me as I used on Nelly all those years later. It's mm -hmm. like, well, it'll make you a better diver. Because <laughs> uh, originally I thought cave diving was just the dumbest goddamn thing I'd ever heard of in my life. <laughs> what rocks? <laughs> It's nothing to look at. Uh, you're in this enclosed space. It's horrible in every way. <laughs> uh, the very first time I went back into it was actually Upper Orange Grove. Um, for those of you who are familiar with the spot, you go down that long tunnel, and it turns to the right and turns to the left, and the sign is right there. And I remember floating on the kind of exit side of that sign, staring down into the cavern, 
as uh, my instructor's great big bright 10 watt HID light <laughs> lit up this cavern. And I literally, the very first thought that went through my head was, this is going to be expensive. <laughs> because I just I fell head over heel uh, yeah. right down in there. Like, and I, I joke that I can point on a map to within five feet of where I just, I knew I was going to be broke for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, so as Nelly mentioned, there's that period where we moved out to Hawaii and I was working day boats. I was just an, an instructor and guide out on um, you know this beautiful tropical reef diving location. And at some point while we were out there, I just, something in my head changed and I stopped being a, a wreck diver. I started being a cave diver. There was no moment. It just, it, it happened without my ever looking at it. Huh. And I still, I, I love wrecks. I love the ocean. I love the reef. I joke a lot about it. I joke a lot about how I think salt water is gross. I think <laughs> salt water is gross. I just, I don't have as many opportunities to go out into the ocean as I really should make for myself. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, gosh, and then what the hell happened? <laughs> I guess we let, when we left Hawaii, we moved back to New York and I took a job as the dive safety officer at the New York Aquarium. And I worked there for five years, six years, seven years, I don't know, some years. And yeah, then towards the end of that time, that's when kind of life happened and Nellie and I had to make the decision of, do we try and continue to scrape by in New York or do we go down to Mexico and do what we've talked about doing and daydreamed about doing for ages? opportunity came up and we jumped. Yeah. Um, so how did you guys find the property? Like, is that, was that the plan or did that just kind of fall right into you? That was not the plan. That was not a plan. <laughs> when we were in Florida, we decided that we would move to the, we would move to Mexico around July, 2018. That was what it was going to be. We anticipated renting a house for about a year and keeping an eye on real estate markets and websites and just seeing what popped up. And one day when we were walking the dog, this was in early 2018, Roger and I started just discussing our fantasy list about what this house would have. And he said it should have a workshop where he could fix kit because he was sick to death of humping all of his kit up to a second floor walk-up apartment in Brooklyn. He wanted to have a nice workshop. I says, yeah, that'd, that'd be nice. That'd be really, really nice. I says, what about if you told people, wouldn't it be nice just to have a little house, like an apartment someplace or, a, I don't know, a standalone building that we could rent out to your, to your students? He says, yeah, that'd be really, really good. And it would be really nice if I was in the jungle. And then we just started writing this wish <laughs> It was absolutely extraordinary. And I didn't even know that we wanted half the shit that was on that list, but we did. The very next day, we heard from, I was uh, on the website looking at realtor sites in Mexico, as you do. <laughs> and I saw this house. Uh, sorry, I saw the owners of this house, although we didn't know it was, they, they owned this house yet. But some people that we knew peripherally in Mexico who had a cenote about 20 minutes from here 
that we had dived once upon a time. I saw that it was for sale for $1.8 million. <laughs> Mr. Rods, geez, don't you wish we had that kind of coin? Yeah. And we dashed off a note to the owner and says, yeah, you know, I wish we had that kind of money, but we don't. Very sorry that you're leaving Mexico. What's going on? They wrote back and they says, well, it's just time to move on. But, you know, if you don't want this, prop this property that you mentioned, we do own another house. And here's the link to the website. Go and have a look. And if you like it, let us know. We went, we looked, we liked. That was a very dangerous moment. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh -huh. I look at the real estate listing for this place. And as I'm looking at some of the amenities and looking at some of the pictures, it was every check mark that we had outlined the day before walking the dog. Wow. Literally, absolutely everything that we had been looking for. It's like, Nelly, yeah. you're going to see something. <laughs> And then some, you know, it had two houses. It had a pickup that was being sold with the house and so on and so on. So there and then we booked plane tickets to go and look at the place. Um, we left about a week later, I think. Mm -hmm. And then the next week I drove down from our house in Cave Country in Fort White, Florida, all the way down to North Palm Beach where the nearest branch of Citibank was, <laughs> where I had a bank account, to make the first wire transfer for the deposit of the house. And then Rog drove our scooters, rebreathers, and the dog in our pickup from Florida around the 4th of July. And I flew with a friend of ours and two cats. And we met here and started doing the place up. And I think two months later, we had our first guest. It was absolutely, it was a whirlwind. <laughs> I do actually I remember seeing that on Facebook, Roger writing that. And I was like, what in the hell is he up to? Like, all right, that sounds, uh, yeah. Uh, it was a cool drive. It was a very yeah. cool drive. Yeah, I bet it was. So uh, Long drive. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Like no, she didn't. Um, what kind of dog do you guys have? Uh, this is just dopey looking little mutt thing. That works. Yeah. yeah. A gigantic Jack Russell. Okay. Basically. I, yeah. I think Jack Russell pips. Thingy. I call her a Yucatanian iguana hound. I like she that. Loves the iguanas. She dreams. She knows in her heart of hearts she'll get an iguana someday. <laughs> I don't want to see that fight though. No, no. <laughs> iguana. I'm reasonably sure, even if she ever did, she would have no idea what to do with it. Yeah. She would stand there looking dumb with an iguana in her mouth. <laughs> uh <-huh>. iguana. <laughs> yeah. Those are those are funky little animals. So. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yep. And that's riveting on how the, the, how the whole thing happened. Um, uh, question for you, Roger, favorite wreck in New Jersey. Do you have one? I mean, it, it's come up a couple of times that you do wreck diving in New Jersey. You did wreck diving in New Jersey, New York area. D did you mm -hmm. have one that was kind of like your one or one that you meant to get out to, but were, got blown off every single time? Oh, I want to go to the Texas tower every goddamn year. <laughs> uh -huh. Never got out to the Texas tower. Yeah. I do also, I regret that I never went out to see the Andrea Doria. I was yeah. probably about a season away from being able to do that before mm -hmm. I switched over to rebreather and set myself back a couple of years. So. Yep. Uh, then we moved to Hawaii, and then by the time Rog came back, it was, uh, we were yeah. still struggling getting back to New York and all that sort of mm -hmm. stuff. So even just filling bailout bottles and forking out over a brand for the trip would have just been too much. So yeah. that never really happened. The oil wreck. Yeah. No, 
the San Diego. You want to record the San Diego. I wanna... <laughs> uh, two weekends ago, we went out to the San Diego. We got on top of it, and there were too many fishing boats, and we had to go to the Oregon. Oh, <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, we were pretty much positive that it was Tim Andro's fault because he's been trying for like six years to get out there and he hasn't gotten out there. So we're pretty positive <laughs> it's just his fault. I so I know it's uh, he's going to get so mad that I said that. Um, so we'll and, make, uh, it. We'll make it calm down. <laughs> that's great. Um, so when it comes to the cenotes, um, I've done a little bit. I've played a little bit down there. Uh, but do you guys have one that's close that's your favorite that you really like bringing students to? What's your take on some of the cenotes down there? It's one of the, it's a very tricky question. Yeah. Um, I'm good at that. There are just so many of them. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, for those of you who don't know the geology of the area or about karst geology, it's the entire Yucatan Peninsula is um, limestone. The whole peninsula is limestone. There are no surface rivers anywhere in the Yucatan Peninsula. They're all underground. Uh, this is the very shortest version of you know, where we're diving in these cenotes. These are just those windows that drop down into these underground rivers. Mm -hmm. And the whole peninsula is lousy with them. Uh, I mean, you have something like Sakaktun, which is currently the largest underground river system, uh, the largest flooded cave system in the world. Uh, there are dozens upon dozens, if not hundreds of entrances into that cave system. And that's just one cave system of countless cave systems that are down here, river systems that are down here. Uh, so it's, to answer the question, are there close cenotes is very easy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they're everywhere. Yep. We have a little handful that are within just a couple of kilometers. I mean, again, for those of you who are familiar with the area, we are two kilometers away from Taj Mahal. Mm -hmm. I love Taj Mahal. Uh, it's, I've spoken at some length about how I worry that Taj Mahal, caves like Taj Mahal, get a little bit of a disparaging rap because people think of them as like, oh, it's just a training cave. It's brilliant. And there are mm -hmm. areas of that cave that are just heart-stoppingly beautiful. Uh, but nobody goes to a lot of those areas, people go kind of to the training areas and then they want to go to the, the more interesting or the fancy pants caves. Mm -hmm. So yeah, Taj is like, if I stood up right now and got in the car, I could be at Taj in about 15 minutes. Nice. Which is fantastic. And that's one of six or seven. That Within are, the five kilometer radius. Yeah, yes. that are right on top of us. And then if you go further south, you actually do get to Sakatun, you get down into Ochbel Hobbs, like all the groovy little entrances that are down there as well. I think the show opening, I'll put, it's going to confuse me. I think that's Taj right there, actually. Could oh, be. Yeah. Very well be, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we went to Mexico a couple of years ago. I took that picture. So. Oh, yeah. you would need to come back for sure. I, I want to. Uh, we've planned a couple, we tried to plan a couple, and it, it's, Planning dive travel for groups is is an interesting case. I, I want to go and play in a. I, I want to basically go to where you guys are, sit in the sit in the Airbnb and and hang out and just hike around some caves and see some cool shit. And other people are like, "But I want a resort." I'm like, well, okay, well, I guess we'll find a resort. And I, I won the last day. I will take a ferry over from Cozumel and I will go find my my caves and caverns and caves and go play. Um, <laughs> well, yeah. there are some cool caves on Cozumel as well. Yeah, that's. Um, I haven't found a way to get into that 
whole scene, but I haven't looked very hard either. So, yeah. um, so the next time you're down, Aerolito especially, is okay. make the effort. It's super, super worth it. It's a cool cave. Nice. That's great. Um, so uh, you guys are opening up for, I think you guys said you're super busy, but you guys are opening up. More people are coming to visit you. Um, do you have openings? How how are the logistics going of, of getting back into the swing of things? Well, one of the things that we recently did, uh, I mean, through the pandemic, we talked a little bit earlier about you know, how many people just want to go diving again mm-hmm. and just can't. And it's been such an uncertain time for everybody, uncertain in so many ways, I mean, not the least of which is financially for absolutely mm-hmm. everybody. So one of the things that we did was we put it out there like, look, if you want to come down, here's a pretty heavily discounted price yep. to just reserve a spot with us to be used whenever. Like whenever it's easy for you to come down, whenever travel reopens, you can kind of block out that spot. Uh, we were very, very lucky. We got a really good response to that. A lot of people took advantage of that. So we have a lot of pending reservations now of people who probably about half and half. Some people have chosen dates and some people are just kind of waiting seeing what the travel situation is going to be over the next couple of weeks and months. And that ended yesterday, right? Uh, yeah, just Saturday. the other day. Saturday. Now yeah. the travel is opening back up again. So yeah. you know, sooner or later, you got to close the door. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yes. <laughs> then there were also some people who had reserved, had made bookings to come down uh in april may june who obviously couldn't uh so we contacted them obviously and said look um you can come whenever you like uh you have not lost anything with your deposit and we're also going to apply special pricing to you um giving you two free days of guiding and so on and so on so although that timing is also by necessity a bit unknown. People don't know when they'll be able to actually come down and keep their booking. They know that they can come down. So hopefully that's helping them get through the uncertainty that uh, this whole situation mm-hmm. has yeah, thrown something up. to look forward to. Exactly. And, yeah, we actually, I, I do have a class starting next week, uh, a student who was due to come down basically a week after travel got closed. <laughs> uh, so yeah, <laughs> was, yeah. Like, it's your drag to have to postpone when you get that close to a trip, and then oh, yeah. all of a sudden, you know the, the gates slam shut. Well, we were booked for Truck Lagoon April first through the fourteenth. Oh, oh no! Yeah, that was like the yeah. It was right when we were like, "Well, is this really going to take a hold?" Like we got travel bans, but maybe it's only going to be like two weeks. Yeah, it wasn't two weeks. <laughs> they definitely they're still closed. Now, I can't decide whether it would have been worse to get trapped out in the middle of the Pacific. Oh, yes. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. That's what we were looking at. Actually, um, who got stranded? Uh, the East Coast Divers Group got stranded someplace. I forget where they were. Maybe Roatan. Um, they got oh. stranded there. It was a whole nightmare of trying to get them back. Uh, they did a great job and ended up getting everybody back. But they, they got locked out. And mm-hmm. it was right at like that weird gray area of like, ah, I don't think it's going to be too bad. And then they get on a plane and get there. And it was like, oh, no, it's bad. Like, <laughs> what? <laughs> like we're not getting home. Like, no. Uh, I have a friend that was 
flew to the UK, found out that the UK was going to close like the next day or something and just booked a new trip back and got right back on the airplane and drove, flew home. It was nuts. We had so. that, when was it? The, towards the end of March, kind of when all hell broke loose. Mm -hmm. uh, I actually, we had a guest here who was just finishing up a class and like on off gassing day, like class ended, he earned his intro to intro cave certification. Class ended during his off gassing day. They announced, okay, all flights back to home are getting closed. He got on like the last plane back. Wow. In the area. It was crazy. That's nuts. Um, so question, I saw it and I don't know if you will admit to from what I gather is helping or not. You guys wrote a, uh, or John Kieran wrote possibly with maybe your help, a, your guys help a deco cave certification. Is that, that correct? Really, that was much more John's project. Yeah. Yes. My, my entire role in that was I would read over his standards and go like, yeah, that, that looks good. But that's a huge help, man. Like that's, I, I wrote a course too recently and that was a massive help of getting that feedback going, okay, at least I'm on the right path, you know? So <laughs> well, he's um, a lot of experience with this sort of thing. So yeah. it's, uh, yeah, my, my role was sounding board more that and exclusively, but, but yeah. it's a really, really cool program uh, just because when you live in areas like down here or in Florida, like in North Florida, proper cave country, North Florida, there aren't a hell of a lot of places to do a decompression procedures program appropriately and according to standards. There are yep. some things that just that kind of don't apply in a cave or that there aren't places to run through certain skills. Yep. And there are some people who just, I was talking before about like, I joke about not going in the ocean. I, I love the ocean. There are some people who just don't give a shit and yeah. they're really only going to be diving in a cave. Yeah. So why would a person who has very little open water experience and very little impetus or desire to do any open water diving, take an open water course, uh -huh. then apply those skills to a completely different environment? Yeah. The idea of having a decompression course explicitly designed for the caves is really, really valuable. Yeah. Uh, a especially in an area around here where weirdly there aren't a lot of people who are actively decompression diving, mm -hmm. much less decompression trained yep. or maybe the other way around, whatever. Yeah. Uh, there's not a lot of people who are interested in or kind of trained and practiced in decompression here. Yeah. And they, yeah, I'm, I could be wrong. The caves tend to be shallower, right? So you, unless you're running really long run times, you're not running into that. Is that correct? The vast majority of the caves here are, you can swim for hours and never go deeper than 20 feet. Mm -hmm. uh, there are some caves that do go deep. Uh, there are a couple of notable areas that go very, very deep. Uh, but most of those areas are fairly remote-ish uh, or in some way inaccessible and just kind of holes that go straight down. So you can go to the bottom and be like, yay, I went real deep. Then, <laughs> yeah. uh, somewhat loaded question. I'm not sure whether you're going to be able to answer it or how in-depth you'll be wanting to answer it. Uh, comparing and contrasting the Florida cave diving community versus Mexican Dave cave diving community and like, the intricacies of, and I, I've seen a bunch of posts you guys had made about 
you know, what line markers mean and what different things mean and, and, uh, uh, different etiquette styles and stuff like that. And, um, I'm still not cave trained. I'm not still not cavern trained. I've done some, uh, stuff, but, but looking at the two different communities that, you know, you get people like, Oh, you should come to Mexico and do it because Mexico is like this. You should come to Florida because it's got flow and it's, you know, all, all the different arguments of different things, but there's a lot of differences between them. Would you talk about the differences between the two guys? Look, you guys have seen both. <laughs> they each have their idiosyncrasies. Uh -huh. I think it would be overstating it to say it's like two different sports, uh, but it's kind of like American rules and Australian rules football. Uh -huh. you know, the field generally looks the same, and no, you know, the we. goals are generally the same. No. Yeah, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but yeah, in Florida, there is flow. Yep. Uh, in terms of the hydrology and the geology of Florida, we're swimming into springs, mm -hmm. generally entering into a spring head or you know, sometimes an offset sink or something. But you're swimming around in springs where water is erupting forth out of the, out of the earth. Whereas here, you're swimming in these underground rivers, which are doing what water wants to do. They're trying to get out to the ocean, but they kind of they hit the ocean already. If you go down to something in the range of, depending where you are, at 40 feet, 50 feet, you hit the halocline here in Mexico, yep. which is basically you've hit sea level. You're, you're in the ocean. You're inland, but you're already in the ocean. So there is no flow here. Mm -hmm. The way that manifests practically is divers who are really familiar with the Floridian environment they know how to deal with the flow. They know how to read the cave better. They can kind of pick their angles and their spots. They know how to use the way water is going to eddy around turns and such. Uh, it is a very specific skill set that is utterly useless here because you don't have that flow. Mm -hmm. Divers in Mexico, um, I'm going to get a lot of hate mail for what I'm going to say right now. <laughs> uh, divers in Mexico tend to be prettier. Mm -hmm because they don't have the flow to assist. Like when you're always swimming into flow, you're always moving, you're always kicking. Uh, there are a lot of caves in Florida where you, literally, you can't swim against it. You have to drag yourself in. A lot of divers here in Mexico pride themselves on never having to make contact with anything at all. Uh, also because it is a lot shallower, you know, something in the range of 100 feet, you know, 60 to 100 feet in, in Florida versus 20 feet here, because it's so much shallower, the buoyancy implications of that mean that you need to be a lot more careful. Um, and finally, uh, the sort of obvious here in Mexico, you have all the formations, which are fragile. And if you get floppy and you are not careful and you, you're kind of used to just bashing your way through things, well, you can't bash your way through really, really heavily decorated passage. This is, of course, not to say that Mexican divers or Floridian cave divers are better. Neither are. I mean, obviously, we all know there are really, really good divers in some environments and really, really bad divers in some environments. Really, really good divers in other environments and really crap divers in those other environments. There's good divers and bad divers wherever you go. It's just, it is a very different skill set. 
Gotcha. I yeah, I think yeah. that's fair. And I think another big difference is my perception anyway. And I recognize that I'm we're very, very new to Mexico. So what I'm about to say might be very different to someone who has been here 25, 30 years. But it seems to me that the community here is a little bit more scattered uh, versus Florida. And I think part of that might have something to do with um, land ownership and the way a community has had to band together in Florida in order to access the sites. Now, in North Florida, I guess folks are relatively lucky in that quite a few, there's a couple of major cave systems that are on state parkland. So the community has learned to negotiate as an entity with another very known entity that is you know, the state's parks commission and so on uh, in order to get access. And I guess that has a spillover effect into uh, taking decisions that affect the whole community, such as building stairs and uh, the practicalities of accessing sites and so on. It seems that there's, although people have their differences in North Florida, no doubt, there's a lot more conscious appearance, at least to, to, to my size, that it is indeed a community. You've got the folks in uh, around the High Springs area, you've got the folks around um, uh, the Mill Pond area, and, uh, and that's that. Whereas here in Mexico, because the cenotes all have very di different ownerships, there's no uniform pattern for access. Um, I guess back in the day, it was cave divers uh, who approached individual landowners and made it clear to the landowners that they've got a very special resource here that deserves to be conserved and protected and so on, but might also be a way for the landowner, especially those landowners who were formed as clans, I guess, familial clans, that if they manage this resource well, it might be able to make them a little bit of money. And so then if they had the wherewithal, they started inviting swimmers and snorkelers to the sites and making a fair bit of money that way. Um, if, they, if the cenote wasn't good for swimming and snorkeling and so on, well, then it was just a cave diving thing and that was that. But this effort had to be replicated with all the cenotes because there isn't someone with each and every individual landowner. There isn't someone that just owns most of them or several of them. Um, and so as a result, it seems that the community has become a little bit more fragmented just because the way things operate here are so different. Uh, again, some of that might be perception of a newcomer because we've been here less than two years, but it, uh, it definitely seems to be the case to me. Yeah. Looks like they froze really quick. I pulled them out of the stream and put them right back in. Oh boy. Well, Roger and Nelly should be back with us in a minute. Well, while we're waiting for them to come back in, um, uh, I'm going to show you a one of their projects they're working on. Uh, I'm going to post it in the comments here. 
Uh, they actually have started a shop. We were going to talk about that next um, once we get them back up on internet. Um, hopefully they will be able to um, refresh their feed and just go ahead and refresh their browser and come back in. But they have started a shop. Um, oh, there they go. Mexican Wi-Fi. Yes, Scott Smith. Absolutely Mexican Wi-Fi. But if that's the problems you have and you're in Mexico by Cenote, I'm perfectly fine with all that. Um, so uh, heading to Mexico in November. Are you going down with them, Eric, or are you just heading out someplace different? All right. So, um, like I was saying, they've got a shop up with hoodies and t-shirts and, uh, I believe there's even face masks and stuff like that. Uh, so I would head over there and check them out. Um, if you are unaware, I'll, I'll talk about it right now. We actually have, uh, my shop designed a pretty cool shipwreck, uh, hoodie, uh, over on the topic of hoodies and, uh, it's posted up. Uh, I will post it in here also, but, uh, it's very, very nice. Uh, very interesting to see, the artwork that was done by a local artist uh, and how that has kind of come to fruition here. So, uh, mm -mm. it looks like we lost them pretty solidly. Uh, so, I would highly suggest uh, heading out to check out their uh, website and their location. Uh, it is Shaha. I posted the link inside of the the uh, the feed here uh so I, I would check them out uh they are very very interesting couple as you have seen uh eric's going to ground zero mexico for the first time very nice so uh it looks like we've lost them uh, i don't know if we're going to get them back or not uh if we are not there is going to be a follow button right here uh when we we are finishing up so you can go ahead and follow us on youtube and check us out there and we have the Patreon site where you can help us and the whiskey glasses, these hooded sweatshirts are something a little bit separate, but they are pretty darn cool uh, and interesting. That uh, is a lot of intricacy in the, in the artwork there. Uh, like I said, the back ordered glasses are on their way. Uh, I think we're probably going to get them Friday or Monday. So if you have back ordered glasses, I will be shipping them out ASAP to you to get them to you. Uh, I appreciate you guys listening. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and jump off since we have lost connection with them. Uh, but maybe we'll have them up for part two or just a follow up with that. Uh, I'm sure I'll put up the Patreon link there. Uh, so Eric Fine asked for the Patreon link. I'm going to put that Patreon link up there. There's multiple ways to donate to us. Uh, and... Um, There you go. That should uh, produce it right there for you. Uh, even a dollar a month helps uh, for as long as you want to. It doesn't make a difference. It helps a ton with a bunch of different things. Uh, we're trying to work on some collaborations with a couple of different people trying to get some things done. Oh, look, Roger and Nelly are back. That is amazing. Uh, so I won't have to do the ending thing anymore. There you are. <laughs> Sorry about that. No worries. Uh, we, we were talking about other things. Uh, but one of the things, I don't know if you probably missed it because you guys were down, but we were talking about your... Uh, not to change topics, but we're going to forget about it now. Uh, your, your, uh, your guys' shop, uh, you guys started doing some apparel, and I believe there were some face masks I saw and things like that. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. some face masks. Sign yeah. of the times. And I have to say that so far, I think it's been the most popular selling item. <laughs> I originally thought it was Roger's bikini bottom, but apparently it's a face mask. 
No, unfortunately, they don't make them. <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah. We yeah. do have a big and tall Keep section, it. but uh, not, not, not there. <laughs> that works. So you guys just started putting together. Uh, that That's fairly new, right, the shop? Oh, yeah. Just a couple of days ago. And I guess it started partly because we wanted to always think of a way that we could grow the business and, you know, make something new and interesting and exciting. But also I think Watch was just sick to death of me saying, I wish I had a Jacquard apron so that when I served guests breakfast, I could yeah. fly the flag yeah. and all that sort of stuff. And I thought, wouldn't it be also great if we could leave face masks in the guest houses so that guests would have something that mm -hmm. I could wash and keep returning? I think he just got fed up with me saying, I wish I had this and I wish I had that. It's like, Fine, my God. <laughs> so much than just order it. So that's 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 what I think has happened. But now I guess can get in on the action too. I love it. Very nice. Uh, one of the things, uh, Roger, you said earlier that I just want to clarify. You said that uh, Mexican divers tend to be prettier. Mm -hmm. um, I just want to clarify. Does that mean Derek Ferguson's still welcome in in? Mexico, or does he have to stay oh, in Florida? Derek, so he's such a pretty little gnome. <laughs> they are right. Yeah. Um, I mean, beard flowing out behind him, literally like yeah. a yard gnome. Also, great streams of bubbles flowing out behind him from whatever piece of gear is broken that day. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so, there yeah. are also concerns that he might be worshipped as an aluch. Ooh. <laughs> making random offerings of garlic to him so i don't know if he'd be down with that <laughs> that's too funny oh there lord different versions of pretty yeah <laughs> there are different versions Derek of, is one of them. <laughs> Derek is. um so uh are you guys still booking people out how can people get up with you guys on that or are you guys pretty much full for this year now no, we, again, a lot of the reservations are pending. Mm -hmm. A lot of people are starting to kind of dot their calendars together. Starting to look pretty busy come about autumn. Yeah. So if you're interested in coming down around autumn, sooner yeah. probably better than later to try and figure out dates. But yeah, we, we take bookings through our website. Um, you just it will only allow you to pick whatever dates happen right. to be, be available anyway. So, right. uh, and then obviously, you know, it's, it's just me and Nelly. You're not exactly trying to get in touch with somebody at the Hyatt. Right. Yeah. Always just PM me on Facebook and I'll probably get back to you in about 15 minutes. There's no automated yeah. phone service either. Although we, we can do that if people really want the frustration, but uh, no. No. <laughs> much rather be talking to an individual person. That's why I've seen a lot of that go that way. Like, so um, we've seen a lot of frustration with, with like the Amazons and big type of online ordering type stuff. We have a website that we do sales through and people are just happy to be able to interact with, with a, a dive shop, an actual dive shop and not like Amazon anymore. So yeah. I see that all coming back where, where the big resort type of stuff is like, eh, like I, I don't really know anybody there. I, I want, the smaller one, you know, that I actually truly knew that know the people that are there. Um, yeah. One of the things going back to when we were first conceiving of what we wanted to do, uh, the idea of just having a couple of little rental places, like we have two little um, guest houses. Mm -hmm. We have absolutely no inclination or any plans to get any bigger than that. It's, it's just the two of us. You know, everybody knows the old joke about how do you make a million dollars in diving? <laughs> yeah. Start with two million dollars. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
I don't think either one of us is under any illusion that we're ever going to make a million dollars in diving. Basically, yeah. we, we like scuba diving mm -hmm. and I like showing people where I like scuba diving. That's pretty much the end game for me. And why do you <laughs> so much cake? Yeah. So the only answer is to have people here so that Roger can show them these awesome caves and there's someone else cake. who can eat my cake. That's great. I love it. Well, we really want out of life. And I suppose that makes us awfully boring because, you know, all we really care about is food and diving. But uh, yeah, it's not such a bad existence, really. No, it's not. Sometimes boring is better, right? I think so. I think there's a lot to be said for that. The last few months have definitely shown that lesser is better sometimes. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. it. I'm totally going to start pretending I'm automated. Just voicemail system from now on. <laughs> One. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> start humming elevator music. <laughs> I love it. It's great. Um, the only concern I have about your, and I've seen some posts that, that make me a little concerned with staying with you guys, is I've seen some uh, Mexican land pirate shenanigans going on mm -hmm. that uh, make me slightly concerned. They're very quiescent most of the time. <laughs> most of the time. Everyone's like sweeping in over the walls around here. <laughs> and then fucking off again. With a machete in their teeth. Uh-huh, yeah. Mm. Yeah, the vines support you. You just swing in and, yeah. <laughs> exactly. And who knows what hijinks will happen next season. That really is all... Yeah, diving's fun. Yeah, exactly. And the number of people who, you know, take it so very seriously, like, like we're curing cancer or, like, solving world hunger or something. We're, we're not, we're, we're scuba divers. We're idiots that go swimming around and looking at shit. Like that's the entire, again, like that's the end game. That's our pursuit. Yeah. Uh, so really it, it just kind of started with the four of us sitting around giggling about, you know what, it'd be funny. Mm -hmm. And just a way to kind of have some fun with it. Like just to make diving a bit of fun. Yeah. Um, and it has been a lot of fun. I mean, just, being goofy underwater, it's it's silly. Uh, one thing I, I did learn though, seriously, kids do not try this at home. Machetes move really fast in the water. <laughs> Both John and I were really surprised that first time we swam in and we had machetes in our hand and we were both very proud. And I think both of us kind of did this, whoa. <laughs> Let's let's not do that. <laughs> That's too funny. Uh, yeah. What is the name of that? I'm blanking at what the name of you guys have. That it's a Facebook page. Pirate right? Adventures. Adventures. Pirate Adventures. Yeah. Okay. No, uh, no, we were up all night thinking of it. <laughs> yeah, really, a way to have fun with diving because right. why the hell not? Yep. Exactly. So that's that's great advice. It, it is excellent. So. All right, um, that is about where we're at time-wise, uh, and we covered Sorry about the interruption. No, no worries, it's all good. Um, when you, it seems like the people that live in the nicer places have the harder time with the internet. Funny how that works. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. always a cost, isn't there? Always a yeah. cost. <laughs> yep. So, um, so I'm going to say goodbye to my folks, then I'll be back to say goodbye to you guys in a minute. Does that sound good to you? Okay. Absolutely. Thanks for joining thank us. Thank you for having everybody. us. Yes. Thank you for joining. All right. I'll be back in a minute. All right, guys. Thank you very much. Sorry for the interruption. Like I said, there'll be a subscribe button right there. You can go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube channel. I put the Patreon link up there already. If you want to uh, bestow a dollar a month or something to us to, to help us create new content and produce some new things. Uh, we've 
got a whiskey tasting thing we're trying to do. Oh, we're working on that. That's going to, we're, we're trying to work the logistics out. Um, and we'll probably post like a list of different ones and you can taste with us type of thing. Um, so we'll see what's going on. Uh, so that's, that's part of what the, the Patreon and, and whiskey glasses, uh, any, any proceeds from that goes to trying to figure out all those sorts of fun, different things. Um, and possibly some drama diving swag or trip type of stuff. Uh, there's been a request to do a trip altogether. Maybe we'll go down to Mexico as a drama diving trip. We will see what ends up happening there. Uh, we'd love to have you guys all join us, but don't forget to subscribe and uh, we will see you next Wednesday. We are next two Wednesday, whereas we're trying to do some controversial type conversation. So uh, transmitters versus gauges and, Oh God, what was the other one? Transmitters versus gauges. And oh, if you are truly advanced, if you have completed nine total dives and all of them are with an instructor. Yeah. So we will discuss that at a later date. So uh, next Wednesday and the following Wednesday should be 7 p.m. both times, uh, I believe. So we will talk. Depends on who we have for guests. We might have to go earlier if we got some people um, from out of the country. So have a wonderful night. Thank you very much for your time. And we will see you next week.